Welcome back to Hardcore Troubadour. I'm excited for us to dig in tonight. We're going to be talking about uh, Steve's second studio record, Exit Zero. But before we jump in, uh, let's chat. This is Brian Wallace, and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Tyler Short. What's up, Tyler? Nothing much, man. Just really fucking tired. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't think I don't think nothing much is, is actually an accurate. Yeah, everything <laughs> a lot actually has been what's going on with me. Yeah. Um, since all cards on the table behind the curtain, uh, me and Brian have not recorded in like a month because um, I've been doing a lot of touring with my both of my my punk and hardcore bands, Inclination and Constraint. I've been to Canada twice and all across the U.S., but uh, to California twice as well. Yeah. Um, left the country for the first time in my life this summer. So hell yeah, man! That That's was awesome. very exciting. Um, Inclination had a really good time in uh, in California and Canada. Um, we played um, a couple shows in, in California. One in San Jose. Uh, Cupertino mm -hmm. and one in San Fernando we played a uh, played Midnight Hours an awesome record shop in California if anybody is in the San Fernando area would be hopefully aware of it it's a really cool punk record store I spent a lot of money on a Jawbreaker record for my partner and oh, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah those those shows were awesome got to see um, um, we played with this band Field of Flames from the, the Bay they were mm -hmm. awesome Faith Alone um which is uh kind of a super group of sorts members of never ending game and uh twitching tongues and god's hate um but um yeah it was a cool show it was really awesome got to see speed from australia, australia. hell yeah they were um they were fantastic got to hang out with those guys all day when we were in san jose and swim in a pool and just have a real like boys day in a uh, in the bay um nice. But it was it was cool. It was it was it was awesome. Um, like everybody who took care of us that weekend did, you know, just made everything super easy for us flying out. Then we had a hell flight home and ended up ended up getting home at like nine o'clock in the morning, having to go straight to work. Uh, um, yeah, I literally walked upstairs, changed my shirt, went to work for twelve hours. Um, Ooh, brutal. But uh. But yeah, so straight from that into, you know, two weeks later, then we flew to Cal uh, to Canada, to um, Edmonton, Calgary for Wild Rose Hardcore Fest um, with Knocked Loose and Zulu um, and Trench were the bands that, that headlined both shows. Um, and uh, yeah, played two shows in Canada. It was wonderful. Canada feels like a, a Midwest extension. Especially um, over in Alberta, over there. Oh right? yeah, yeah, dude! It yeah. was it was it legitimately just felt like home. It was so yeah. cool. That's awesome. Everybody I met, everybody I met was amazing. It was um, just those those two weekends were kind of the weekends where every conversation you're in, you never want to leave. Right. Like oh, I love that. Everybody I talked to, everybody I met, I just was just it was it was all love everywhere. It was so cool. Um, I uh, I did crack my rib in California. Of so course you we, did. How did that happen? Uh, just being 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 uh, irresponsible. But um, when I was when we were in Canada, I had the cracked rib, and I was like, "Oh, I guess I got to behave myself." And then um, we 
this band Broken Vow from Connecticut played yep. uh, the second day, and those are like little brothers to, yeah. to me. So I was like, "Fuck it, I don't care if my ribs cracked. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mosh." And then while I was moshing, I did something and I hurt my shoulder blade. All of a sudden, <laughs> my rib doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> well, <laughs> dude, I truly, I, I was the uh, the embodiment of the my foot hurts. Well, show me your hand. Yeah, Snap's hand. Does your foot hurt anymore? <laughs> Because from then, dude, my shoulder was bothering me. Like we had this hell time getting home from Canada. Yeah. Fucking Air Canada fucked us. Uh, we were planning on recording this episode on that Monday, and instead of uh, instead of me getting home at a reasonable time, uh, Sunday night um, slash Monday morning, and going to work, and then getting off work and recording this episode, I ended up having to drive from Toronto to Chicago to Louisville. 16 hours in a fucking rental and then Oof. the vehicle and then Caleb, our bass player's car to get home. Uh props to him though, because he after we got home, he has still had to drive to fucking Lexington. But wow. Um again, I came home, took a shower, went to work. Went straight to work. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And then for working work two days. And then literally from that time I was in Calgary on Saturday, uh before coming for the hell ride home from Canada within a week that next saturday back in calgary playing with strife and tsunami it's amazing um it was it was it was a mess dude it was so cool though um like all the all the canadian shows we had were awesome like even even the shows that were like not as good or shows that we didn't think were going to be as good like we're all just better than we could have expected and better we could have asked for yeah um it was just awesome it was a really the constraint room was cool um, seeing strife was amazing seeing change was amazing um ballista from texas um yeah just tons of tons of awesome bands that we got to play with all all around and uh and then that ended up ended at uh that tour wrapped around canada down the california coast through the southwest through the midwest um and ended in detroit and toronto um both with never ending game and uh um hold my own played a couple of the shows too they covered mm-hmm. life of agony i was one of three or four people who knew it. which song uh river runs red oh of course there was like three people who knew it in chicago and then there was like five six seven people knew it in, in detroit we're going off for it it's funny um, like it, it makes me date myself because i've got like my era as it goes like Here's Life of Agony as River Runs Red comes out. Here's when Blacklisted used to always cover River Runs Red. Yep. <laughs> and like now there's a there's a new phase of it, but I will I will always go off for that song no matter who's playing it. It uh it it it, it drew me back in because I was I was moshing for hold my own for a minute because on shit I've been uh, I mean, I've been friends with Greg for a really long time too, but mm. every time I've I would say like seventy percent of the shows I've played in Chicago on shit uh, who plays guitar yeah um has played one of one of has played in in one of his bands one of the bands any, yeah. uh any time i've played so uh i was going off for for them and then i was like all right well they're only got a couple songs left i'm gonna fucking fade out this is the time where the old guys leave and then they ended with that cover and i was like Fuck it. my knee braces aren't even <clears throat> on anymore but I'm, I'm going in amazing um but yeah it was awesome and then uh seeing never any game in detroit was cool and oh, i bet um we uh Mind Force had to drop the fest mm. in Toronto, but because mm. they dropped Pain of Truth and Ingrown played a surprise like split set. 
yeah. So that was cool. And um, I, I got to see Gridiron uh, for the first time. They were fucking rad. Um, yeah, it was just cool. I mean, I was just being irresponsible for 17 days. Dude, um, that's what it's all about. It was, it was, it was great. I, uh, I had lots of awesome overnight drives listening to music and just, that's like one of my favorite things to do on tour. Hell yeah. So, uh, I had no iPod though. So I was kind of at the will of, uh, of co-pilots to play music <laughs> for me. Um, they treat but, you all right. Uh, one Who's night the they really, fu- one night they really fucked me. They all just went to sleep. The service went out and I was stuck listening to NPR and right wing radio <laughs> for, uh, for like just to have something going six hours yeah, yeah i was yeah. listening to npr until it faded out and then i found some like rush limbaugh fucking um clone and i started listening to that because it made me so mad it kept me away yeah i mean whatever it takes right i guess that's <laughs> like, like this purpose. guy sucks so much it really woke me up yeah and, like they, they were they said something to me they were like, like were you listening to like fucking rush limbaugh or some shit and i was like i thought i was <laughs> turns out it's some other guy back from the grave says the same shit um but uh but yeah it was uh it was cool um the whole the whole the whole trip was awesome it's just exhausting and my body is still recovering from it dude i bet i mean you mentioning all that one like it sounds like such an awesome time on the road planes automobiles no trains but plenty of planes and automobiles um and the other thing, too, is just like as you're going through that, you're reminding me and everyone listening how much fucking awesome hardcore is out right now. Right. Like, is it, you know, a lot of the bands that you've mentioned, I've been lucky to see at least once or even like you bring it up. Mind Force, you know, unfortunately having to cancel on that fest in Canada. Their new record just came out at the time of this recording. Been spinning that nonstop like it's it's like it's energizing in so many ways and um like i'm glad y'all have been out there and been a part of it well both of your bands and remind me the the inclination full length is out in october is that right uh, in october yeah so yeah. by the time your people are listening to this episode it might already be out yeah yeah absolutely so um i was just thinking though like how cool would it be um if that is how if if someone found inclination through listening to the podcast about Steve Earle. Like I'd love if we had it where it went both ways. Like maybe, maybe some people could become fans of your bands that way. And then hopefully a lot of the kids who uh, dig your bands uh, who might not be familiar with Steve Earle and some of the other stuff we're talking about could get into that through this. Um, but either it'd be, way, it'd be, ni- yeah. it'd be nice if it goes both ways. Um, this the the latter is my my main motivation. For I me. think so, and and probably to bring punk to country, right? right. But but if if country can come to punk, that's cool too. That's what's up. The th- that is the I agree with you. The main motivation, and also probably the most likely connection that mm-hmm. there would be. But hey, once it's out there, you never know. Um, dude, that's awesome though, and I just a- appreciate you spending all that time on the road, putting your body through that and then being back at work and everything. And then like being the one I'm just so appreciative. Like, oh, okay. When can we record? We've got to yeah. get back on track. I've been dying is- to talk about this, man. This is one of my favorites. Same. 
same and it's and it's so cool because like this is a like truly i mean i guess it's a cliched thing to say but it's like it's a passion project right well mm -hmm. you probably shouldn't do a project about something you're not passionate about yep. if nobody's making you do it but like i think it's 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 just been like it's I, i've never done any kind of like you know run through analysis of records i love like this nor have i ever done a podcast but just the the two things that i get to do revisiting um records that i love and coming up soon they'll be like listening to some things for the first time or that i've barely heard and then kind of i guess the like the preparation aspect right like i've never been so excited to be like doing homework and I was all like, oh, dude, remember a line, be like, Oh, I want to like, let me take a note on that. Cause I want to talk about this with Tyler mm -hmm. when we talk. So um, it's just been really like fun and energizing, which is what music should fucking be. Um, Absolutely. So right on, man. Right on. Um, well, I got no stories uh, to match your time on the road, Tyler. I've, I've mostly been, um, wiping up toddler vomit and, um, you know, chilling at work, but it's all good. It's like, finally, I love the summer, but then when fall comes, I start to remember that I really love fall too. All right. Well, Tyler, um, you ready to talk about exit zero? Yes, absolutely. I've been fucking dying to talk about this. Same man. Same. So, you know, we don't have like, a super prescribed formula for how we go through uh, Steve's records um, other than track by track. And I really, you know, loved the way that we approached guitar town. So why don't we do that again, man? And let's just start with nowhere road. There was a, a couple things I, I did. A, I actually did some more uh, research for this one. Yeah. Lay it uh, on me. And I did for last one. So, um, so this is still MCA years. Mm -hmm. um same guy who recorded guitar town is the one who recorded exit zero i believe mm -hmm. we move away from that with copperhead road mm -hmm. uh chuck ainley or ainley um and i actually looked into him a little bit which relates back to something that me and you talked about but uh he did engineering and mixing for uh for reba mcintyre uh george Strait, waylon nancy griffith who's like very pivotal for me as a kid because my parents were listening to nancy griffith all the fucking time when i was little ah. so i've got like a real soft spot for a few nancy griffith records um but he worked on marty stewart and jason and the scorchers no shit there yes we which i bought one of their records when i was in uh colorado I, oh I, that's I, awesome i purposely didn't tell you about it because i was going to tell you on recording that I bought one of their records. Uh, it's got like a Dylan cover on it and like some other shit. And actually, God, I wish I had brought this record up along with Exit Zero so we could we could go over that for a second too. But that for rules. another day. And yeah. then he also did uh, a lot of uh, Mark Knopfler's like uh, from Dire Straits, like all of his older material. That guy like basically was his guy, his go-to guy for um, like the post uh, Dire Straits and even like later Dire Straits uh, recordings. Dude. So yeah, so like the guy who recorded this record like did a bunch of cool shit in Dude. addition to these two Steve Roll records. That's amazing. It makes me like super happy always to like know and be able to see those, you know, connections. Like you, I almost have like the family tree or like the web of connections mm -hmm. going in my head, right? Like 
So how does Steve Earle connect to Reba, connect to Jason and the Scorchers? And you reminded me, so like same, I was like, oh, I didn't do much prep for this beyond the songs. One thing I did do in my like music dork side is um, look up a little bit about the band who was in the Dukes at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we might've talked about him a little bit on this last episode, but a dude named Bucky Baxter um, was the steel guitar player and did some of the backing vocals on several of Steve's early records. I learned that in addition to being a member of the Dukes, like all the way through the early 90s, he played on R.E.M.'s Green Record. He played on Bob Dylan's Unplugged Record for MTV in the 90s. Damn. And then also uh, was on a couple of the early Ryan Adams records right after oh, uh, cool. Whiskey Town had been done. And this mm -hmm. dude actually uh, died um, in May of 2020. And I was reading some things like no official cause of death has been made public, but a lot of people suspect given the timing that it was likely COVID related, um, yeah. especially given his age and everything else. And, and I'm also just thinking about like, dude, with a name like Bucky Baxter, you were destined for country music greatness. Um, for sure. But so cool to see like over all those years, like how, you know, sometimes he was part of a full band and then other times he just would come in and do stuff on a record, but all that he I did. I want to say there might have been, well, actually, I think I think we've lost multiple people from the Dukes. Um, mm. uh, but I want to say on on one of the uh, one of the packaging for a, a different Steve Earle record that I've seen definitely memorializes somebody who was lost. Mm. Um, and I can't remember if it was it might have been on the JT record. So mm -hmm. it could have been it, that could have been him because that yeah. period would have right. up. Because this is May of 2020 when he passed. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we should check that later for sure. Yes, um, much, much later because we're well, not, we're not of course, of course. Yeah, but I'm just thinking, like, in, yeah. you know, there's, there's, there's something both morbid and poetic about this. Like, as rough as Steve was living for so many years, and he's gonna fucking outlive all of us, probably. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty, pretty fucking mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, is there, I appreciate you. I think that's all that, I got Tyler. for, for the, for the, the, the homework that I did. Other yeah. than just listening to the record. I mean, as we jump into this too, I think it, it occupies like an interesting space, right? Cause I'll just, I might be speaking just for myself, but I feel like I also just think a little bit about like of Steve's earliest records, right? I do think this one gets talked about less because oh, there's yeah, something about sure. the way it falls in between mm -hmm. a brilliant debut and then a breakout record. So in yep. between Guitar Town and Copperhead Road. So like this was cool for me too, because like it's a record I was familiar with. There are songs that I've loved on here for a long time, but I also, you know, have not given this sophomore release like as much attention as I've given his first and third and later records over time. Oh, dude, I actually give Exit Zero so much attention. Yeah, um, that's awesome. This, this is probably be the only time anybody talks about this record on a podcast, honestly. <laughs> like, Which I love awesome. it, but, but, but this might be the only time this ever gets talked about on a podcast. I know, isn't it? I mean, that's, and that's what we're here for, right? We're aiming to be as comprehensive as possible. Um, so, yeah, well, that's a good 
kicking off point then for us to like dig into the tracks. Um, like, so yeah, let's talk about nowhere road, man. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and it's, we're, we're, we're immediately to my favorite song on the record. Amazing. I'm not at all surprised. Tell me more. It's, it's just, uh, it's my favorite song hands down. Um, it's such a good road trip song. Um, it's such a good opening track. Um, just like Guitar Town has just such a good opening track. This is just such a good, um, opening song. Um, for me, it's a top of the heap Earl track. Like, I think it's, it's, it, it's just perfectly him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I do play this every time I drive through Oklahoma. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and and it came on, uh, I've got a, a, a road trip playlist. That's like. It's something like 20 hours of just songs and none of them are hardcore. Well, some of them are, are adjacent, like, like embrace is on there. Got it. And in dag nasty is on there, but like, mm-hmm. no, nothing, nothing with a breakdown Got it. is allowed on this, uh, on this playlist. And while, um, while I was, you know, on this tour, um, my go-to would be if everybody's going to sleep, I would just say, Hey, somebody search my road trip playlist on Spotify and push play and go to sleep. Yeah. And uh and this came on while I was driving overnight one night and I was like, fuck, I can't wait to talk to Brian about this Dude. fucking home. And also I'm so happy this is happening right now. Because of all the 20 hours of music on here, like for this like seven hour stretch, like this is what came on shuffle. Let's fucking go. Dude, it's amazing. And one of the things I love too, in addition, like you said, to being such a perfect album opener and just sort of like a it is, it is truly on the short list of songs for me that if someone was like, who's Steve Earle? Or like, you know, what's mm-hmm. up? This would, this would probably make that list of like classics that I'd want them yes. to, to, to listen to. Lyrically, I love too how he combines, you know, some real shit, like there's a road in Oklahoma, you know, a line like that. Also mm-hmm. with the much more like metaphorical, like I push that load from here to someday I'll push as long as I'm alive where it's like, yeah, the road being alive Mm -hmm. is being on this road. Like you have no choice, but to keep moving forward. Right. Um, And it's just, it's just damn good and powerful. Um, Also a line that I don't think I had given a ton of attention to before uh, that was really hitting me as I was like preparing for this episode too, the like, but there's a toll to pay if you're going and talking about, you know, the, uh, it just sort of like, hell, he's bringing in like Greek mythology here a little mm-hmm. bit too, right? Um, just like this endless journey um, and that this is what like just part of existing is about. I really, I just fucking dig it, man. I, this is not my favorite, favorite track on the record, but goddamn, I love it such a it's a really good one man also um it's uh i mean it's it's in all the things it's it was for the movie black dog which Mm -hmm. is a patrick swayze movie yeah never seen it but i do remember seeing it at blockbuster that's amazing i remember Uh, seeing that that vhs at blockbuster when i was a kid never saw the movie though i've never seen that movie either also a funny thing comes up I don't, this is just a, a random conversation I had with my wife at some point in the, like the last few weeks. I, oh, I, Patrick Swayze is a person that I forget he's dead. Yeah. Like a lot. 
for some mm-hmm. reason. You know what I mean? Like every time I'll see like a reference or whatever, I'll be like, oh yeah. And like, we'll literally have that thought cross my mind for a minute and be like, what's he up to? Oh, fuck. He died Not in alive 2009. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like hasn't been young, alive for a dude. decade. Was quite young. young. Right. Yeah, um, dude. Uh, I don't know if you've, uh, you've watched any of the dude. So it, it's funny. This one was like the one that like made me cry, but we watched those, uh, that movies that made us docu-series on Netflix. Mm. It was like a little mini series. Um, they did like ghostbusters and home alone. Yeah. And, uh, um, I can't remember the other ones that they, uh, die hard was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but one of the ones they did was dirty dancing and watching the one for dirty dancing. I think just because he was gone, like really brought me down like i i I had like a a little cry watching that shit because like apparently he was a really fucking good guy yeah (laughs) i've never heard a crossword about him like anybody that met him or had a chance to work with him yeah yeah so uh so yeah so maybe maybe we should check out black talk (laughs) i think so i mean it's making me want to do it now especially just given you know we had talked about early on where some of Steve's earliest music had like appeared in movies mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it seems like um, it seems important for the sake of just the shit you and I care about. And also this project that we should see yeah. black dog at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, and that's, and it's interesting too. Now, when you look at it, when you, you know, look up the record on Spotify, that's like in the track listing. In the track you know, listing, yeah. And featured that, in Black Dog. Yeah. Like the only only song <clears throat> of any of his songs that shows up like that. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Well even of other songs that have been on soundtracks. Mm-hmm. It's the only one that shows up like that, which I wonder what the story is behind that. I don't know. For sure. Yeah, man. Um if you are listening to this podcast and you have not heard nowhere road i mean obviously i want anybody who's listening to like listen to the entire records right but mm-hmm. like you heard a little taste of it at the very beginning um hell man like that's hit pause listen to that song and then come back and join us for the rest of the way if you're not already familiar with it because it is just that perfect of, of a song but also a tone setter for the Absolutely. rest of this record i think for yeah. sure I don't have much more to say about it other than just high praise. I was going to say we can move on to Sweet Little 66, which is the first song off this record I heard. Interesting. So do you remember mm-hmm. when when it is that you heard it? It was on that that playlist that my old roommate made. It mm-hmm. was just, you know, alternative country and outlaw country and stuff that we would listen to in the gym at, uh, yeah. at our house. And that was the, the first song that I can attribute to this record being being on there so that's awesome and uh my thoughts on that one i'm not a car guy so a lot of the jargon in this song really just goes over my head so i don't really uh but i like it i like it a lot i like the honda and the uh the The subaru Subaru. well i I think that's awesome yeah my favorite line is now she ain't too good on gasoline she burns a little oil but she was built by union labor on american soil you know that's my favorite yeah, line man. Of song. My Absolutely, <laughs> I knew you were gonna love that. Well, and, you and know it, that's my favorite line. <laughs> I brought it up too. I feel like when we were talking about Guitar Town, um, and, and and talking about you know like uh, 
you know, getting tough for a good old boy, all those things. Like the other thing that Steve really embodies here is I just had these memories as a kid of like in cars in the eighties by American was such a huge deal. Mm -hmm. Right. And things are so different now. Right. You can yeah. buy a Nissan that was mostly made in Canton, Mississippi. Um, or if you buy a Mercedes Benz here, there's a good chance it was made in Alabama. Good parts of it. I drive a shitty Volkswagen Jetta that was made in Mexico. So there's commentary there both about like, you know, free trade and globalism and the ways that that's fucked workers in a lot of ways, yep. but also that it is not as like sort of like cut and dry what it looks like to protect American labor nowadays yep. as it did in the past. Um, but it was almost like, like, it's, it's just so amazing how he's kind of like, yeah, this is, it's not just that this is a fucking badass car that I drive, but it was made right here by union labor. So you can yeah. keep your Hondas and your Subarus. I'll be here with my sweet little 66. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. That's, that's the shit I love more of like the, again, with you, I'm more about the pro labor side of the song than I am about the car part of the song. Yeah. Um, but like, but I do, I yeah. mean, I do remember like even driving my mom's fucking Buick when I was a kid, mm -hmm. like that feeling of just like being in a car and being free and being unchained. Totally. Like it was, it's, it's, it, to me, this song definitely speaks to that, that kid, that 18, you know, mm -hmm. 17 to 19 year old kid who is finally, um, what what I would describe it as is being in Grand Theft Auto when you can finally cross the bridge and you can go wherever <laughs> you want. Like you're not limited. Yeah. You're not like the your the rails are off. You're finally you're free. You know, you yeah. can roam wherever you want to go. Um and that to me that that song speaks a lot to like that um that um American graffiti like sort Dude, of Yes. I mean, because it speaks to, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, man, but there's like no, something you're good. to, I was done. <laughs> it's so quintessentially American too, because mm -hmm. in, in 99% of this country, having that freedom means having access to some wheels yeah. that'll get you going. Right. Like, um, so like, yeah, cause my experience growing up was very similar, dude. Like the, the shitty old Ford F100, that was my first car. Um, I never felt more free. When mm -hmm. it was like, you know, I could, I could just fucking not go to school right now. Um, I usually did, but there was something very powerful about like, I can come and go as I please and I can go yeah. where I want. Right. And um, it's also that difference between like when you, when you had a car and your car represents freedom and now my car represents just a part of my, mm, my yeah. confinement. Like this is the vehicle that gets me to the next place where I'm stuck yeah like and but it does but then it gets me home that's true <laughs> afterwards so it's like it it's it's a vehicle like vehicles be take on like a duality of sorts they drive us to our uh to our um our unfortunate destinations as well as they drive us to our uh our yeah. positive ones it's simultaneously freeze and confines like mm -hmm. i i like that it also just reminds me of just one other like geeky but but related thing um god i was reading a thing and i wish i could cite the author but i don't remember where this is but it was a great article about you know why so many like conservatives who love to like record themselves ranting on facebook or whatever do it in their cars or do it in their trucks right yeah 
And they were connecting it to this much bigger, like, you know, basically almost like societal phenomenon, specifically thinking about suburban life, where a lot of the folks who do this type of thing live. Um, and just being like, this is their third space. There's no other way. You've got mm -hmm. home, you've got work. And what in the past, whether it was a, a church, a social club, or what the hell ever yeah. that they don't have anymore. So like mm -hmm. literally the confines of their truck or their car or whatever is what plays that role. And it just got me thinking too, like how different it is. Um, like shows provide that like third space for us, yeah. right? Just like that, that venue that is yours, but that you share collectively with others that is neither home nor work, right? And just the sort of like, it is a need for human expression. So as much as like, I end up rolling my eyes at the people who are like constantly making videos of themselves in their cars, there's something about like, you know, the, 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 the box that late stage American capitalism yeah. has put us in that makes that like That's fucking the fascinating, only man. place that they feel like they can like yeah. be free, be themselves, like yeah. be themselves. Yeah. Is in their car. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. So it makes sense though. Yeah. It makes sense. It's not, you know, not, totally related to sweet little 66 but definitely on the car tip and just all that i think especially in american culture like all that cars symbolize like mm -hmm. we said right for sure um right on man well keeping with the uh number theme number 29 yeah this uh this song as a huge friday night lights fan i love this song yeah um, it uh are you friday night lights guy at all no, but I feel like I would be from what everybody's told me. I just, it just missed dude, me. I never saw dude. it. Dude, so yeah, I never saw it either. I watched it mm. as a full, full grown adult, never watched it for a minute when it was actually airing. Got it. Got it, got into it completely through streaming. Mm -hmm. um, there is a character in Friday Night Lights, Buddy Garrity. Uh -huh. This song is him. Yeah. Like this song is so cool and I really like it because it definitely speaks to a very specific lived experience mm -hmm. that I've seen represented in other media via Friday Night Lights. Like Buddy Garrity is the um like a God, what what are they what Boot what is it called? Booster. He's booster. booster. Yeah. yeah. He's a booster. And um and he, you know, he takes the kids out for steak. He like, you know, makes sure they've they're, you know, their stuff's, you know, taken care of, that they're not struggling at home, that they're 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 gonna be good to play. Mm -hmm. Like almost to a dark extent, like where that like, he cares more about the game than he does these kids' actual lives, but he actually does take an interest in and I also think like that uh the song also speaks to like a um an aspect of American life that I think is lost now, which is that communal communal interest in children mm. and their in in their development and their um their actual like in, in a in a way where they all get somewhere together mm. rather than being so focused on just your own child that you forget that there's like other kids that that like need that nurturing too and might be like missing it yeah and uh i mean i, I imagine from you from being being a teacher you've seen it way more than i have but like i feel like that's just like a thing that's lost 
in this country is this ability that like the, it takes a village thing it seems like it's going the way of the dodo oh yeah that i can very much relate to that and i think like covid obviously exacerbated that in so many ways and like now that school has all been like back in person again just seeing how like <clears throat> fragmented the experiences are and you know, teachers not being set up with the tools they need. All the focus is on, you know, how academically behind everybody got during that time, which is obviously true, but what's yeah. playing a much bigger role is like the trauma, the social, social emotional struggle of like, and I had to stay at home for X amount of time and what was home like and what were, you know, what did your parents have to, worry about you know and, and like did you have access to resources that made this for some families like a fun and interesting time but for others like a truly devastating time right yeah i, um, I i'm so curious how developmentally like this is going to affect yeah i mean obviously the story is not written but but early returns are not good um yeah. is the way things are, are looking and it's it's so fascinating too you bringing that up though like the the sort of communal aspect, right? Because a lot of it too, as you were mentioning that Tyler makes me think about like my own, um, like the role that like a, like football or other sports plays in like communities or youth. Right. And I can take a look at it now and think about like, it's not black and white. It's so nuanced, right? Like there's an important communal role that like, a high school football team can play both for the kids and for like the surrounding community. And also there are a whole lot of places, especially in the South, but all over the country really where you see other, what should be essential public services in schools neglected to make sure money can go to the football team. Right. Yeah. And that's certainly my experience. You know, I, I went to high school in Mississippi and it was not uncommon to see, you know, classrooms and like school infrastructure looking like total garbage, but you would think a, you know, professional team played in the stadium, you know, like lights and stuff like that. And the argument would always be like, hey, brings in money. You know what I mean? Because yep. like everybody in town is buying shit. They've got advertisers that, you know, it's a <laughs> business for them. Right. But like, but again, that just shows how complicated it is because I can neither like say like, fuck this, the whole thing's worthless because I don't think it's worthless, yeah. but also that it's like an example of priorities out of whack when, you know, how you might have seen the thing like in a majority of states in this country, the highest paid public employee is a football coach, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's it's stuff like or, that. Or in like in the case of, uh, of and I, I can't remember what, what East Coast city it is, but a hockey coach hockey coach yeah or hell and it's in, like really in kentucky it might coach in kentucky it might be a basketball coach right it's yeah. a basketball yeah coach. yeah sure, it's 100 percent. it's a basketball Cal calipari gets, john calipari gets paid. yep turned his back on memphis we'll never forgive um yeah but that's a whole nother story but the, the other interesting thing too is tyler like now you're making me think i really gotta watch friday night lights like it's good dude I mean, I, I believe you. I've, a lot of people whose taste I really trust um, have told me the same. There's like two archetypes of like this, like 
past glory high school football player, right? And one is kind of like the sad buffoon where it's like, you know, it's Al Bundy talking about yeah. like, you know, uh, when I scored a touchdown, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, cause that was the peak of your life. Mm-hmm. And so you can't stop talking about it. And then there's this more nuanced character, which I think is what, you know, Buddy Garrity is and yeah. what I think number 29 is, right? Mm-hmm. And that like, yeah, man, I got hurt. So who knows what could have been, but that I wrote down one of the last lines. I don't follow rainbows, big dreams, brass rings. I've already captured mine um, back when I was number 29. And so rather than this, like, you know, it's like embracing the don't be sad that it's gone. Be happy mm-hmm. that it happened. You had it. Yeah. Kind of side, no, it's right. It's it's so it's it. It's perfect. Yeah, the last thing I wrote about it is it's perfect perfect. because there's a world where a song about like a a high school football player who got injured and is still like hanging around the football games could be really sad and pathetic. Mm -hmm. But that is not who this person is at all. That's not that's not who Steve wrote. And I really love that. Yeah, it's very, very special. It's very visceral. It's so it's 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 a great story. It's literally like what made me interested in country music Mm. in the first place is songs like this. I love that. I love that. And it also is somebody who like, I know basic shit about football just from growing up where I grew up, you know, there'll often be like some references here. Like I always think about on, on one of the more recent Jason Isbell records, there's like a line like referring to like these five, a boys run a shallow cross. And I'm like, literally the first time I heard it, I was like, what the hell is this? And then realizing that it's like, oh, he's talking about they're running some damn complicated plays for a high school mm-hmm. football team. Um, and then also just like the a thing that I've known for a long time um, that I think is lost on a lot of people in popular culture is like, there is not a dumb person on a football field. Um, the amount of shit you got to memorize, yes. like, no, you know what I mean? Like it is, mm-hmm. I, I think we totally, you know, it, it's become this easy thing for people to be obsessed with sports, but then also treat athletes like they're stupid at the yep. same time. And man, that's fucked up. Even in, even in high school, they are like learning like teamwork and running some very complicated schemes that I, mm-hmm. you know, would throw a lot of people like for a loop. So. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you have to do dangerous things yeah. in, in, in count on the fact that other people are going to do the thing they're supposed to do yeah you don't have to worry right and isn't that the whole how this how number 29 got hurt is like dude missed his man Mm -hmm. and just that Mm -hmm. one thing happened and he didn't block his dude on that time like is what ended his you know football career right um yeah it's incredible um well so there's somebody that seems to have made his peace with his past and so that's a good transition into angry mm-hmm. young man, um, which I'll I'll go ahead and give a preview. I've mm-hmm. got I've got two competitors for my number one on this album, um, and this is one of them. I can't decide Dude, between the two. Yeah, that's so funny because of what I have written down for this first. Tell me about Com- it. Coming from the last episode, this song strikes me as a sequel to Someday. Ah, yeah. I t- <laughs> dude you nailed it i didn't even make that connection but i think it you you read me like a book man it's totally there 
Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, this like, isn't the one this isn't the one I guessed for your being your favorite one, but I did write this song strikes me as being a sequel to Sunday. Someday. It totally is. It like scratches a very similar itch in that regard. Um so I mean, damn, I love this. I, the the chorus of this song is just incredible. Um, I wrote down a bunch of just lines that I love, like what looked like the world through the eyes of a child kind of closes in on you after a while. Um, just what a relatable thing, you know? I mean, talking about that, like growing up, going to work, that kind of stuff, The the just the world of like, being a kid and wanting so badly to like get out there. And then once you get out there, it feels like you're actually, you know, because of your circumstances confined to a pretty small box, it feels like it's closing in. Yeah, dude, it's a pretty, it's again, it's, it's a very visceral song too. Mm. Like it, it really puts you in, in shoes that if you weren't, if you weren't already wearing them, Mm -hmm. you're feeling them by the end of the, this song it's yeah yeah it's a it's good man and just the the hook you know the like Mm -hmm. the the way the melody goes the almost like mama i know you think you did something wrong but like that's not what this is about right this is kind of thing this is me this This has nothing to do with you i'm owning it right i'm owning it Um, dude and just also like the 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 there there's so many Steve songs in his catalog that that put you in the shoes of a person who's like doing a a, a crime of desperation. Yeah. And yeah. uh and I think without um without paternalizing them or anything like that like it like truly giving agency to a person who's in a desperate situation Mm -hmm. and not treating them like oh you know this poor guy it's like no like these are decisions people make because of circumstances like this isn't like 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 this wasn't this guy's not a like this guy is like a victim of circumstance but he's not like I don't, I don't know. It's just like, it's, 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 it's not from a point of pity. Yes. That you nailed it. Not from a point of pity. Like Steve is able to capture that nuance that it is like, I mean, it's something I talk to people at work about all the time, right? It's not a, not a, but, but an, and Mm -hmm. this, this person has been through some shit and they're responsible for the choice they made when they did that thing. Right. So it's like one does not erase the other. Like that and, is the and, fullness of humanity, right? Yeah. And it's also it's it to me, it's it it puts you in the in in the headspace of looking at a person who's gonna do a crime and thinking they see nothing wrong in what they did. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Like I to me that makes sense that that happened. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's, that's something that like, especially with like, you know, with NIMBY attitudes and stuff like that, 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 you know, are so pervasive right now in, in our world that like, it's very easy to like, look at people and just be like, Oh, get, get the pores away from me. Right. And like, but I, you know, see that and I'm like, I'm like, well, it sucks for them, but you know, th- that's, 
it's not their fault they're here it's not it's it you know to a certain extent it's it's just how things go and I don't think they should go to a different corner if you know they're um, on my corner right that's the corner that's the corner they're on that's fine there's right there's there is something too just about like the what space is somebody allowed to occupy right um I mean hell it even makes me think of some of the stunts that like you know the governors in Texas and Florida have been doing like you know Sending, sending people human you know human beings who have been through unspeakable shit around to make a political point but also something you hear all the time like you know greg abbott in texas will be like well i don't see you letting um a bunch of migrants stay in your home and i'm like the fact that you cannot differentiate between your house <laughs> and the entire state of texas yeah um like that those are not the same thing nobody is asking mm-hmm. you to house people in your private home well you're the governor is, of texas yeah. not the owner of texas <laughs> right there there is actually more than enough space and need you know for, yeah. for folks to stay um but there's something there too like as you're mentioning that like just the like who gets to who gets to claim ownership versus who gets told to move along um and sometimes that move along is done through, you know, stares and whispers and making people uncomfortable. And sometimes that's done through violence. Um, so like, there's just so much to it too. Cause, and you also, another thing that I just love about the song is he never, he doesn't give like an explicit, here's the story of why I turned out mm-hmm. this way. You know what I mean? Like there's allusions to things. This is how he is. Yeah, there's visiting the grave yeah. at the end. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like there's not like a... And so I think it kind of speaks to to the point that you were making around like you can both see the ways that you might be like a victim of circumstance or got dealt a bad hand and also like own like I'm choosing to respond this way. You know, um, this is this is where I am. This is who I am. Um so yeah, and it's just when you Steve get the someday connection is blowing my mind because I totally had not thought of that. Yeah. So you're really making me think a lot about why this song I love so much. But it's again one of those where like Steve combines these brilliant lyrics, brilliant storytelling with like a hook that really just kind of like gets into my head and the like damn um harmonica part, you know, which is something that mm-hmm. he doesn't use too often. So when it's there, it really like sticks out to me. I really love it. Yeah. I, uh, one of the things like just the subject of anger and whatnot, like, like I, I'm always angry. And one of the things I wrote is like, I'm always angry. And I hope as long as the world sucks, I'm angry about it. Yeah. Like, right. Like I'm like my part of me being alive is like a commitment to like avoiding complacency. Right. Because there is something, like I, yeah. Go ahead. Like I, just, I always want to feel like I, I, I expect things to get better than mm-hmm. they are. I'm yeah, not just gonna be satisfied with where they're at. Totally. Like if you're, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's like MLK's quotes about being maladjusted. He's like, I don't, I don't want to be well adjusted. Yeah. To a society that's like unfair, unequal, fucked up. You know, mm-hmm. like what does it say if you feel? well adjusted to that society so i am of course i'm maladjusted of course i'm angry you know like that's 
and there's something to pride. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, this is I'll, I'll when we get to it, I'll, I'll get off the fence and make a decision about which one is, is my top, but this is, this is either one or two for me on this record. I love this song. That's awesome. Yeah. It's up there for me too, but just nothing beats nowhere road. For nowhere. Me. I mean, yeah, you hard to t- just came out swinging hard to mm-hmm. top. Um, right on. Um, moving from there. I mean, we're talking about the first four tracks of this record are all just bangers. Mm-hmm. And San Antonio Girl is the first song that we get to that I'm not, it's not a skipper for me, but it's, it's, I literally wrote, Tyler, I wrote, this song is fine. Like, it's, it's not, I think one this of my song's favorites. fun. You like it? I think, yeah. I think it's fun. It's always stuck out to me. It's got a, like a bright sound to it. It um, definitely has that. It, uh, I think it's catchy. The, the keyboards are, are, mm-hmm. are, are cool like um i really like the guitar on the song too and i just think the lyrics are fun that's really that's yeah. what i've got for it i think it's i think it's just a fun little song that's the um, thing not everything on here it, it it is it, it's a it's a it's a just a steve song i'm trying to think he's only got a uh, help on one looks like two songs on this record three songs on this record mm. are co are co-written so this is one of most just of it was his. his yeah yeah I, I, love- I just think it's a fun i just think it's a fun song it's got a catchy yeah man. catchy chorus it's not every song needs to be some like profound commentary on human existence um mm-hmm. it's a good it's a good song and you reminded me too about like the keyboard part is like i almost thought there's like a little bit of a almost like that the organ is trying to mimic an accordion that would be played mm. and like you know because that's the whole you know he starts with solamente in san antonio like a little bit of a yeah. an, you know homage to um you know whether like mariachi or tejano music that like just because of where he grew up you know steve had to be like really familiar with right yeah i um, i just i think also like Steve loses me on love songs sometimes because so many of them are just so sad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like to have like a fun song about a girl is like uh is it's, it's just it's fun. It's a nice it's a nice change of pace from a lot of the songs about women in the future of his uh catalog. Dude, I'm w- I'm with you on that. It is like like I said, it's not a skipper. It's just not one of my favorites and he the way that the first four songs kind of build up, it just, it does feel like a little bit of like a, okay, all right. Especially you go from angry young man yeah. right into that. And then, I mean, right back down, right back down. I was about <laughs> right to say another, another heavy one, not heavy musically, but heavy, you know, philosophically and, and story-wise in the rain came down. Um, yeah, man, this is a, this is a brutal song. Absolutely. There's so much in it. I wrote down, um, I always, when I would listen to this, even from, you know, earlier years when I was first getting familiar with this record, I'd always think about the Grapes of Wrath mm-hmm. and like the the Jode family, right? Yeah, that's what comes to mind every time I hear it. Right, because there's that like, you know, all the, the, the whole story of like, the the loading up, loading up the wagon going out west going west yep um 
there's the like the rain being symbolic in so many ways. Like it's kind of like it is the constant. The rain's going to come down. It'll both wash you away. And also there's never enough, you know, like, so being in this place of like, I'm drowning and I don't have enough either. Um, The, the part towards the end where he gets to the, like, you know, the, the sheriff and the the bank are trying to take their land. Yeah. Um, So don't you come around here with your auctioneer man, because you can have the machines, but you can't, but you ain't taking my land. Um, That hits home on so many levels, just both about, you know, the struggle of working people in this country. Yeah, but the, then the that... class consciousness in the song is really good. Absolutely. It's, it, it's wonderful. It, it makes me think of, uh, are you a drive by truckers guy? Sinkhole. Too? Are you thinking Sinkhole. about Sinkhole? Dude, Sinkhole. <laughs> I literally wrote this. Yeah. I, it made me think, I wonder if Patterson Hood like was inspired. I mean, they, they call him the song. professor, man. They call him yeah. the professor for a reason. Dude. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that you made that connection. Too. Yep. Yep. Cause it's like such a similar thing, but yeah, that one, mm-hmm. like, Oh uh, yeah. That's a great song, man. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll be like walking around and I'm just like, anytime I'll hear the word banker, it could be just like anywhere, and my mind immediately goes, "Bank man, let him let him." He thinks I ain't got a lick of sense because I talk slow. My money spent. Great song. Yeah, um, it's it's that's one of the first uh, drawback trucker sh- songs I heard too. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Well, and I think it's safe to say if there would be no sinkhole without the rain came down. Um, yeah, which are no for know, sure. Yeah, different, very different musically, but like. Uh, of it's the, the sequ- same it's spirit. The sequel. It's the sequel. Yeah, it's, the, it's, it's the sequel. It's totally um, the sequel. Yeah, one of the things I wrote for this song is, is like I daydream sometimes about like like this song brings up a, like a lot of feelings for me because I daydream about like I mean you know me I'm still as far away from technology as I can get is very very uh, uh, luddite in my um, yes my tendencies um, mm-hmm. but like I also like I think that like you know like the ideal for like some of our founding fathers was this song, like Jefferson's yeoman farmer, like Mm. ideal for like, you know, just libertarian paradise of people farming their own land and, you know, you know, providing for themselves and, you know, not relying on any sort of uh, government or anything like that. But it's like, but what, you know, it just, it just goes to show that like truly like, for us to be a country that's always looking backward at like what our founding fathers would have thought or done or said about things that are going on. Like they were fucking stupid, like <laughs> to a, yeah. a large degree. Like they had just had no concept of uh, like one of the things um, I, I was listening to um, I was listening to a podcast and they were going in on uh, like um, the ideas of Atlantis uh. and how um how how it transforms over time like Mm. what atlantis was um and when you go back to like greek and roman times the idea of atlantis was like oh they had good aqueducts (laughs) but like when like in the in like the 40s when you're looking back or in like you know the 1800s when you're looking at atlantis you're like thinking like they had like you know flying cars and right 
like the our imaginations grow so like that's such a good point yeah like you're limited to your time and the idea that absolutely we, you know you make rules based on things that were like limited to their time just doesn't make any sense you you make rules based on the conditions of today yes and uh and that in this song like like really like when i i've been reading this book about um like american infrastructure lately and uh um how uh how like the the development plan for american cities post-world war ii is like just a suicide cult mm. um and uh one of the things they bring up is the way we used to farm back in the day like in even um like medieval times or whatever uh in surf days you didn't you surfs didn't farm on like 40 acres of unbroken land they farmed on several acres of mixed land with other serfs so their crops would be here and there and there and there and they would have to walk between them to tend to them mm. so not only were people walking more which was healthy they were also if a crop failed they still had six or seven other broken up plots yeah that could have seed. Yeah. And this idea, this yeoman farmer idea of, you know, which is a a, a capital farm idea mm-hmm. of, you know, you farm this, you know, monoculture land and you use that to, you know, to make enough money to and provide for your family to survive. But as you exhaust the soil and you exhaust your, you know, your your crop yield you inevitably will end up in a point in time when the rain isn't coming down (laughs) yeah i mean there's something and when it when it fails it fails hard and you've got no you you not set yourself up for any sort of uh any sort of ability to to survive that because you've been pushed into a you know this capital driven thing because it, it it infects every aspect of of life even even the simpler life even the simpler life you still can't escape it yeah oh that's given me so much to think about um yeah just on the like in in addition to it being you know not about subsistence or community but like becoming like another um another good like right another another like piece of capital um it also makes me think a lot about like that method of monoculture is like a very like how risky it is right because like you said like it's all it's like feast or famine one thing goes wrong there's your whole crop versus like risk spread out otherwise and then what you said about infrastructure post-world war ii i mean timely we're talking about this the the town that i went to college in jackson mississippi um you know, was completely without water for a while. And now there's stuff pumping out of the pipes, but like nobody would advise anyone to drink it. And it just makes me think too about like, this is a lack of investment in infrastructure is a problem across this entire country, even in wealthy areas, but particularly you take a a place like that, which is both poor and black and, the state and other authorities have used every excuse 
dating back to the 50s, to the post-war period, for not, you know, like maintaining and upgrading essential systems. So, um, you know, there's a part of me when you were talking about like, you know, the ancient Greeks and Romans, when they talked about the lost city of Atlantis, they'd be like, they had great aqueducts. I'm like, I wonder how far we are from that time when it was like, man, wouldn't it be nice to have like plumbing? clean water that comes out you know that might be we might be reverting back to that sooner rather than later with the way things are going yeah it's wild um but hell yeah a great song and again another Mm -hmm. one of those that it's like amazing that from just you know the, the the pictures that steve paints and the stories that he told in this song um both of us were just riffing on so many things, yep. you know, both, both from like the history of this country, but also like modern times. It's, it's like, it strikes a nerve in a really mm-hmm. deep way. Um, and then, okay. So cards on the table. The next track is the, my other contender for number one. That's what I had written down. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so you're, so you're right. I mean, I ain't ever satisfied. I mean, it's like, it is truly one of one of the strongest hooks I think he's ever written. Um, and like, I gotta say, to talk musically first before we even get to the lyrics, like, I feel like Steve and company knew they had something powerful because literally the piano line the main like vocal line and then even the guitar solo is just all doing the same thing it's like my favorite guitar solo on the record and literally all he's doing is just playing what the piano played yeah Um, i I wrote piano makes this song Piano makes the song and i mean i told you pretty early on when we started doing this my son who's very young he's 15 months old and this was meta me picking the song. I was I like, know. I think it, I think this is gonna be Brian's favorite song because if his if his if his child has picked up the song, then he is listening to the song. Well, I'm I'm very happy that he's picked up the melody, um, mm-hmm. but I'm <laughs> but I'm hopeful that he doesn't pick up anything from the lyrics eventually, you know, or the, the story that's being told there. Yeah, but like I, you know, there's a there's a handful of songs that I've heard him. Um, either kind of like hum along with or he's doing this cute thing too where like I can hum a melody that one of his toys plays and then mm-hmm. he'll go get that toy and bring it over you know so obviously I'm like he's a fucking genius this is the smartest yeah, yeah. kid ever mm-hmm. um but I ain't ever satisfied it's just you know it's on a mix of things that I'll play while I'm like feeding him breakfast and stuff like that you know so it's something that we've just had on a lot um so yeah i totally agree with you piano makes the song um the hook is real spanning generations now at least in this household Mm -hmm. and i mean like just the we've talked about how so much of steve's like the 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 lyrical themes and stories that he comes back to are all around this like i gotta keep moving I got to keep moving. I got to, you know, whatever it might be. And this is another like embodiment of that. Like I got this empty feeling. I can't find a way to fill it. So I just got to keep moving on. I was a baby. The train whistle wailed. I wailed right back, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then even to the point of like, even when I got up to fucking heaven, I was like, ah, it seems kind of boring to hang around here all the time. No, thanks. I'm mm-hmm. just going to keep moving on, you know? So it's like, um, I, I just think it's sort of like a really pure embodiment of so much of what Steve's songs are about. And when you combine that with that killer piano hook, it's just, you know, it's on, it's on my, it's on my list of top. Steve Earle songs yeah I wrote that this is a song another song like Fearless Heart Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where where he like he um like I hear this and I think this isn't a good thing (laughs) right exactly this is like this is very this is very damaging to your life to like have this quality to you and it's also like a song where like Steve tells you exactly who he is with no illusions dude it's a song that only an addict could write. Yeah, he he talks about going to heaven and saying, "I'm good. I'm just gonna yeah. keep going. I'm just gonna yeah. keep moving." Yeah, like, like yeah. getting to heaven, like to Nirvana, and just going, "Eh, you know what? There's probably something else." <laughs> yeah, and even and, and that's the thing. Like even even when it's screwing him, right? Mm-hmm. He was like, he was like, "I left you," and then. I was with this other woman and of course and she left. She she left. Of, of course she did. But yeah. and so I I know that it's going to leave me empty but I still mm-hmm. I have no choice. And that's like yep. there's a metaphor for so many things in there but I do think like you know it's obviously Steve has been very forthcoming about his struggles with addiction and finally getting sober over the years. This very much is like a the song of an addict that must yeah, be that writing feeling. on the wall for sure must be that feeling of like i know this is terrible i know this is a death sentence and i cannot stop um yeah and the next song just leads right in like straight right. from i never satisfied to week of living dangerously it's like yeah uh-huh yeah this is almost redundant at this point my guy right we, we know it's I totally it's just like he was like in fact, let me tell you a story about how I'm never satisfied. And then this is that story, you know, um, it reminds, yeah, it's truly like a, like I hear this and I hear this and I go, well, that tracks. Yeah, dude. So, no, I love th- those being back to back. You were just making me think Tyler, like there's something really cool to me about like Steve's going like, I ain't ever satisfied, man. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I know. I believe you. And he was like, matter of fact, let me tell you about this shit I did last week. <laughs> and I, and like, you didn't need to yeah, tell me dude, this. Dude, I'm with you. I'm not, you don't have to convince me. I, I already <laughs> believed you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I love too, that in addition to like, it just keeps coming back too. It's like, it's just a simple thing. Like, man, there's just something about a Monday that always makes me blue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, dude, it was fucking Monday. And I was like, oh, I got to do something. Then all this stuff comes from that, you know? So I turned left where I normally turned right. And here we go. Um, It's, it's a, in addition to the, the lyrics being so connected to this theme of like never satisfied, it's also just a damn fun, like raucous country music story. Absolutely. And it makes me think too, um, I mean, this is another drive-by truckers connection. It re- it reminds me of Super 8 Motel by Jason mm, Isbell. Yeah. You know, just that whole, it's like, it's a song about one night. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But like every verse is kind of like a new thing. And it's this real, just like, 
it, it the song the music has like swagger you know what i mean it's a real like you know balls out kick the door in kind of country song yeah. um and just telling like a story that you can imagine like everybody's sitting around like laughing their asses off about like you know well at the time uh, i almost died but now i can look back and tell this story and it's like funny as hell you know um, yeah no it, it reminds me of like all the stories i hear about my friends in tijuana like mm, yeah. like they all tell crazy stories about things that go on down there and i'm like i'm like yep this all this tracks yeah yeah and then what, what is it when the when the uh the the sheriff is like i don't know how you survived yeah. that but how now you, how you made it across the right the I, we have no idea how you got across the, the border but right but now your you're really here fucked now to bail you out so you might <laughs> you might have wished you would drown in that river yeah <laughs> um and then him just being like you know what that's a small price to pay for a week of living dangerously like yeah no I'm, it's it's awesome i really yeah. like the guitar the all the guitar and piano on this record are, is so good like, yes that's another thing i have written down that's just like i guess i realized while getting to that point i was like fuck like just the piano on this record is just amazing i love it i totally agree and you can also see like we talked about this a little with guitar town like yes these are like steve's first and second like full studio albums but like it would be inaccurate to act like this was like his start because he had been grinding mm -hmm performing writing songs for so long so that by the time he got the opportunity to do these studio records like him and his band were a well-oiled machine you know and They're so whether it's something yep. yeah whether it's something that he wrote on his own and then they had you know came up with their parts or the things that he co-wrote with other people like you know they just he was able because of all that time he put in before you know getting these breaks meant that like yeah just shit like that matters you know i mean dude i can look back the one country record that i got to do i go back and listen to that sometimes and i'm like man i was really phoning that guitar solo in and you know shit like that that like nobody yeah. gives nobody gives a shit about right but it, it makes me think like ah oh, if i had had you know all i had ever played up to that point was hardcore yeah and so like but if i had been grinding in country for a while i would have probably been able to like do something more interesting yeah. you know so it's like those kind of things really stick you can tell this was really like a band that had fucking put their time in you know as they were making this record and so i totally agree piano work guitar work um the steel guitar and the harmonica aren't on every track but when they're there they're perfect like i just love it yep yeah um all right i love you too much man this is my skipper this is your skipper is okay because 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 i write song is catchy enough i think this song falls off on account of how much i like everything before it that's but, but i do i do hear this sort of like john fogarty aspect in this in the mm -hmm. music though which i think i which i do appreciate but mm -hmm. like it certainly is a song that after two listens you will never forget how it goes that's true like it it truly is a it just you, you you listen to it and it's like all right logged now i can just move on yeah like you you'll never it it definitely like it hangs with you even if you don't like it 
I totally agree. And, you know, it is, you make a really good point there just about like, maybe my, my dislike of this song in some ways, it's like Steve is a victim of his own excellence. He's mm-hmm. raised my expectations so high that so when he writes like a perfectly serviceable love song, you know what I mean? I'm like, ugh. That stuff, stuff that for some other people could be like a career defining song. Listen to this hook I wrote. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like for Steve, I'm kind of like, this is one of the very few songs that I'm like, this is kind of like filler to me. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the drum beat at the beginning always makes me think what's coming next is Modern Love by David Bowie. Because it's the oh. same. <laughs> and then so it's still and it's telling that I think in my I love David Bowie. But in my life, I've listened to a lot more Steve Earle than David Bowie. Yeah. So it's probably telling to me, still, though, my, my mind thinks if you just played it for me, I'd be like, yeah. oh, David Bowie. And then I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This is I Love You Too Much by Steve Earle. Um, of course it is. So, yeah, it's. um, Yeah, it is. Uh, if If I had to skip a song on the record, this would be the one I'd skip. Um, yeah. And I think, you know. With the closer, which I'm excited to talk to you about, it makes it a nice even 10, but I think this could have been a nine song album. It's still been fucking phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do love that he keeps it to 10 on so yeah. many records though. Yeah, yeah. It makes it so easy to re-listen. <laughs> it does. And I, I do wonder, I don't know this, but knowing stories I've heard about Nashville and the country music industry at the time, I wouldn't be surprised though if sometimes it was just like a it has to be this long it has to be this yeah. many songs or whatever the deal is like mm-hmm. you know there was a lot less understanding of like what one's creative vision was and much more yeah. about like this is what you're contractually obligated to yeah. you know so um but yeah it's, it just shows you that even when steve is phoning it in a little bit he's still really damn good mm-hmm. um you know so that's a testament to his talent um the closing track, I get like you said, Nowhere Road, such a perfect opener. I think It's All Up to You is a damn good closer. Um, See, sometimes I feel like it's unnecessary. Oh, tell me more. I just, I, and, and, it, and it also, like, it just, I, I, I think the wind down from I Love You Too Much to It's All Up to You, it's just, it's so slow, but like, so so I wrote I usually feel like the song's unnecessary but like listening to it for this it hit a little different and I think I appreciate the dynamic between how the record opens and how it ends mm. maybe for the first time I'm 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 really like appreciating how it's just guns blazing immediately yeah and then it closes on this really like somber kind of note of like you know it's all up to you like you're like this is you you make the choice <laughs> totally i mean it's yeah it's like the uh it's um lyrically it ends up with this like almost like like uh the way bane closed give blood with ali versus fraser part two yeah you know what i mean um but like i i feel you on that I, and honestly my argument would then be like yeah i i'd like the total dynamic shift like if I love you too much wasn't there. And it just went from this raucous ass country song in the week of living dangerously to then this like mellow closer. Um, I think it could work, but again, I'm with you on like, there's something to be said for the, the even 10 songs mm-hmm. that it comes to. I think too, there, 
you made reference to this earlier in like when we were talking about angry young men and a couple of the other songs, that theme of just like, it's up to you. I, I wrote down the lyric, there ain't no one out to get you because they've got to walk in their own shoes. It's all up to you. Right. And it's like, um, I think again, this is the kind of thing that gets like, you know, bastardized by people who, you know, spout all that, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps bullshit. That's not what Steve's saying. It is like, mm -hmm. There's a lot of shit in this world. The simple message of there's a lot of shit in this world that you cannot control. The only thing you can is how you're going to respond to it. And that is fully yours. That is fully yeah. yours, no matter what shitty circumstances you find yourself in. And um, I find it to be a really good closer, um, especially just thinking about this is preparing for this episode was probably like, you know, the first time, even though I've, I've listened to this record a lot that I've like really like kind of taken it in both song by song and as like a unit, almost like chapters in a book. Um, so, yeah, I really, like you said, I also appreciate that dynamic difference between. How yeah, I, I honestly, I think I, I, I came to this song, this listen. Awesome. I think, yeah. I think this is, it, it hit, finally it hit me. Yeah different than it had before and i i feel it i appreciate that man and again i mean i'll say this too on its own by itself it's not making any of my lists mm -hmm. of like my favorite steve earl songs but where it is and i think also maybe it's something else because i'll never know how i would have reacted to this if i was hearing it you know in 1987 before copperhead road came out but there's part of me too that like feels it like, and then knowing what's coming next yeah. makes me like really appreciate where this fits in at the end of this record for sure. Um, right on, man. So exit zero, like we said at the beginning, it's an album that I think often gets overlooked by some people because of, you know, the powerful debut of guitar town and then the big hit coming in Copperhead road. Um, which we'll be talking about next, but like, this is an excellent album. There was, there was no sophomore slump for Steve Earle. No, no, no not at all. I think it's, mm -hmm. I think it's a really strong record. It's one of, it's definitely in my, may, it's, it's definitely in my top 10. Mm -hmm. I don't believe it's in my top five, but it's, it's close. Yeah. And it's that's, close. I'm with you. And I think that's more just a testament to how, much excellent material steve has and how difficult it is to choose rather than oh yeah like I a mean, commentary on this record yeah there's no there's really no record i don't like there's just records i like more yeah that's such a good way to say i mean if if, if that wasn't the case we probably wouldn't have started Done doing this, this podcast yeah. right yeah um well tyler man any any close other closing thoughts on exit zero before we wrap um there was one thing and i when when i was looking when i was looking at like the uh the wiki and whatnot for this record mm -hmm. um i was it said that there was three singles for this record but only two of them get uh like acknowledged huh. and i was i was i was hoping you who's more uh technologically inclined than me because you you came in clutch with the singles last time if uh 
if you would have had any idea what that third single was because nowhere road and sweet 66 are the only ones that get noticed on the wiki but it apparently there was a third single but i don't know which song it was and i can't yeah. imagine which one it would have been because My... there ain't no there ain't no way we could live in dangerously was getting played on the radio <laughs> no I, i'm with you well i would i would assume just because of the hook that it could have been um I ain't ever satisfied. Yeah, but, but it's I, four minutes long. It is four minutes long. They did. I cannot find just on this like in the moment search whether or not it was a single, but they did make a video for it, which probably never satisfied. But you know, that was probably it. Yeah, that that's what makes me think that because if I'm looking like here, you know, there's a video for Nowhere Road. There's a video for I ain't ever satisfied. Um I'm really curious about this now. Yo, how are these songs so captivating and four minutes long? I mean, <laughs> that's like a, a true testament to like the the power of the writing. Also, if I remember, right, yes, I, I mean, I'm saying if I remember and then I'm using the power of the internet to confirm uh -huh. what I remembered. He, the, in the 90s, when he put out like, a greatest hits collection they called it ain't ever satisfied um, yeah but again I, it, that's an interesting gap though because yeah it says three singles and only lists two so my guess is ain't ever satisfied but i haven't like yeah. seen that confirmed um yeah dude i i just i'm appreciating these song links so much right now yeah i i, I just they don't feel that long they really don't they it's really all to you pushes six minutes yeah like Holy shit and after you've been through like the roller coaster ride of the whole rest of the record it still doesn't feel like it drags like again that's yeah just, i mean there's there's yeah. like three four plus minute songs in a row and it's and they all rip they all rip that's what a power. fucking what a what a fucking record dude yeah. it's it's awesome it's it fantastic yeah. i i'm a huge exit zero guy yeah um and i've i've come to appreciate it even more than I already did based off of like this listen. And then also Tyler, like it's, it's again, another just like benefit of giving to talk about this with both a friend and a fan, like mm -hmm. hearing, cause I think I really appreciate the times that we like are experiencing something the same way or like making the same connection, but also the times where it's like, ah, I'm getting something else from this, or this isn't, you yeah. know, this track didn't hit me that way. I think that's what makes it so, um awesome to talk about well if you're still with us on this journey i hope that means that you're fucking in it with us for the long haul and um we got a lot of great stuff coming and so obviously you know we're we're trying to do some stuff in addition to the main album episodes um but the next record is the one that that made steve i would say a household name um, absolutely in the united states and that's copperhead road so there'll be a lot for us to discuss there uh, but once again you have been listening to hardcore troubadour i'm brian and i'm tyler and we'll see you next time have a good one peace <laughs>